Good morning. During the season of Easter, the church begins by looking at the stories that, are follow, that follow Christ's resurrection. But then about halfway through the season, we begin reflecting on things that Jesus said to his disciples before his resurrection, or his crucifixion and resurrection, that really made no sense to them. <laughs> the disciples would only understand many of the things that Jesus said after his crucifixion and resurrection. So that's where we are today in John chapter 13. Now, as I understand it, I don't know a lot about these things, but Jesus committed a grave error in the business and investment world. He did not diversify his assets. He put all his assets into a small group of people, not a very impressive one, and he told them to do mainly one thing. Everyone will know by this that you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. Jesus is putting all his eggs in one basket. The basket is the church, and the church's command is love one another. I wonder if you've ever wrestled with this question. Do you ever wonder if it's enough? Love. If it can really bear the weight that we put on it? Love. Can it really heal all the wrongs that are done? Can it really hold relationships together? I mean, think about the most complex thing that you are dealing with in your life right now. Do you wonder? Can love bear the weight? Surely you wonder that. Have you guys heard of this uh, Christian band called the Beatles? <laughs> I'm just kidding. They're not Christian. But they did riff on this theme that we're talking about. They wrote and sang a song called All You Need Is Love. They're really complicated lyrics, so I'm going to read some of them to you. Love, love, love. Love, love, love. Love, love, love. Now, it does get a little more complicated than that. There's nothing you can do that can't be done. Nothing you can sing that can't be sung. Nothing you can say, but you can learn how to play the game. It's easy. All you need is love. All you need is love. All you need is love, love, love is all you need. Now when the Beatles sing it, I'm even less confident that love is all we need. <laughs> that song came out in 1967. Some of you were there for that. I hate I missed it. <laughs> there was a lot happening in that time. It was the time of the Vietnam War, and Martin Luther King Jr. was also leading the civil rights movement, fighting for equal rights for African Americans. Now, the center of King's message was the creation of a community of love, what he called a beloved community. And his message of love had a little more teeth to it, I think, than the Beatles song. The beloved community was to be a place of redemption where enemies were reconciled to one another. 
So he gave a talk on the role of the church at that time, and he said the type of love he was stressing was an overflowing love which seeks nothing in return. It's the love of God working in the lives of men. This is the love, he said, that may well be the salvation of our civilization. King was killed, as many of you know, in April of 1968, the year following the Beatles' song. And to be fair to the Beatles, the Apostle Paul also said that love never fails. Essentially, all you need is love. But the Beatles turned that into an anthem, and they linked it to this free sex and all sorts of other things. But did love fail when King was killed? Situations like that can make love look idealistic, overly sentimental, and naive. A lot of people, I think, think to themselves, Christians included, it's going to take more than that to deal with the stuff of my life. Is love enough in Ukraine right now? Is it all you need in the hard places of your life? The temptations that you face? The addictions, your marriage, your relationships with your children? Is it all we need at Lamb when the conflicts and the other tests come? And here's the worst question. If love isn't enough, what is? Jesus tells his disciples that this is a new commandment. Now, it's not that loving one another is new. God said that before. We heard it from Leviticus that Alec read for us. What's new about the commandment is the distance that you are to go in love. Can everyone hear me? Okay. It's okay. It's okay. As long as you can hear me. I'm going to yell and ask if you can hear me. Okay. (laughs) What's new is the distance that you are called to go in love. So Jesus says, just as I have loved you, so also are you to love one another. The just as I have loved you, that's the new part. So when Jesus says this, he has just washed his disciples' feet, which was an enactment of the death that he would die for them. It was a symbol of the laying down of his life. And after washing their feet, he also shared bread with them. And one of them, Judas, after he took bread, he went out to betray Jesus, which Jesus knew. And that is the moment at the beginning of our passage, after Jesus, after Judas, excuse me, went out to betray him, then Jesus gives his disciples this new commandment. When the guy who is betraying him has just left. Now, right after the part that Andrew read for us, there's this other sad and revealing moment. Peter, basically the lead disciple, asks Jesus where he's going, and he tells him, I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus responds to him sort of like a parent, I imagine, who hears this earnest idealism in their child. Will you lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth. The rooster will not crow again until you've denied me three times. So the new commandment that Jesus gives to love one another as he has loved, it's framed by betrayal on one side and abandonment on the other. 
If Jesus had not said this now, love one another as I've loved you, you'd wonder if he had just made a big mistake with the people he chose. (laughs) Jesus, he was a nice guy, but he was pretty naive about his company. No. Jesus absolutely knew. So the love that Jesus is talking about and the love that he commands, that he insists on from his disciples, is not sentimental or naive. It is more like a spouse who knows everything about an affair and chooses still to love and forgive. The whole scene taken together seems to say to us, love is enough, but how you define it means everything. Love is not the answer to our problems because it works the fastest. It's not utilitarian. It's not the easiest. We don't do it because it's the most practical thing, at least it's not in the short term. We do it because it is what he did, because it's what he commanded us to do, because he is glorified in it, and in the end, so are we. In the long run, there is this practicality to love. In the end, love is the one thing that never fails, but it sure does not look that way in the short term. It looked like Jesus' love would actually fail too. Didn't it? The moment Judas walks out, Jesus says, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. How could it be that this is the moment when the Son of Man will be glorified? How could Jesus say that this is his moment of glory, the moment of his greatest vulnerability and weakness? How could he say that? Glory in the Bible is the same word as weight. You have to be careful about talking about people's glory. It literally is the same word for weight. If you have glory, you have weight, and in this case, you have significance. Jesus says that the cross will be his moment of glory, the moment of his greatest significance and weight in the world. The resurrection, as powerful as it is, in a way, it is only confirmation. Confirmation that his death indeed was victorious. That he did indeed die in the place of broken human beings. And that we do not have to continue in the way of death. The willingness of God to die our death to lay down his life in our place, that is the glory and the weight of Jesus. No other person who claimed to be God has done this. No God has ever claimed to do this. The love of Jesus in dying is the revelation of the incomprehensible love of God. So Jesus' moment of greatest sacrifice and of greatest love becomes his moment of greatest glory. Where he most glorifies God, but also, he says, where God will most glorify him. Now, a good rule of thumb 
when reading the Bible or thinking about what it means to be a Christian is that whatever happens to Jesus, that's what happens to Christians. That's what happens to you if you believe in Jesus and if you are part of his church. What happens to Jesus will happen to you. And the greatest sacrifices in love are the means of the greatest glory. Where God is glorified in you and also where He will glorify you is in the moments of your greatest weakness and vulnerability. Hence, the bride in the book of Revelation where Leah read for us. The wedding feast of the Lamb. The bride is the church and we're told that she clothes herself in the finest white linen. And this is a beautiful phrase. It says that her clothes are actually more than clothes. Her clothes are her acts of love and devotion to the Lamb. You can't say that clothes are just clothes. They're always more than that. So love is enough. But what does it mean that love is enough? It means that we usually do not need to look for other solutions to our problems. Instead, we need to go deeper in love. This isn't to say that we don't need lots of wisdom in how to do this. We do. How do we discern the difference, for instance, between being doormats for people versus loving people sacrificially? Like Jesus. That's a great question. You guys should talk about that. We should be discerning this together in the church. You should be. And the best answer will help you grow deeper in love. What about the tension between love and holiness? Leviticus, the beginning of it. I am the Lord your God. I am holy. And you shall be holy as I am holy. Love and holiness are tied together. How do we as Christians interact in the world with this tension between love and holiness? That's a wonderful question. But the best answer will help us grow deeper in love. There is lots of room to learn and grow, but we should not use that as as an excuse not to take steps forward in love. The most difficult things in your life are tied to what it means to love just as Jesus did. What we need at Lamb, perhaps more than anything, is sacrificial love for one another. We are going to hurt one another. I'm going to hurt you. You're going to hurt me. You're going to hurt each other. And what we need, perhaps more than anything else, is to love one another as Jesus has loved us. It will not matter what else this church has if it does not have this quality about it of loving one another as Jesus has loved us. And Jesus says that this, our love for one another, is the very way that people will recognize the church. Don't you think it's odd in a way that he doesn't say that it's your love for him by which people will recognize you as his disciple? Isn't that a little strange? In another place, John says, if you do not love your brother or sister who you can see, 
How can you love God whom you cannot see? This is the primary means of evangelism for the church, of making known the love of God to the world, the depth of love that people inside the church show for one another. And this is not to say it is an insular love. It is only for us somehow. Instead, love creates a home where others can be welcomed in. It is always inviting people in. There's never too little space. We can't be stingy with this love. We have to place a high priority on how we love each other, on having the kind of forthright conversations we need to have so that we're dealing with our conflict and forgiving each other. Did you hear what was read from Leviticus? Speak frankly with your neighbor. (laughs) Part of love is speaking truthfully. Of course, in a caring way, but not withholding truthfulness. In other cases, there will be times where we simply have to overlook offenses, absorbing them in love. The issue is not whether love is enough. Whether it's enough for you for the difficulties of your life, whether it is enough for the church, it is enough. The issue is whether we have recognized the cost of love. And the cost of love is great. As I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And as it costs Jesus to love It will cost us too. But it will not fail. That is the wonderful news. This is the one thing that in eternity will never fail. So are you walking in love? You'll not have enough love in you on your own to do that. But God says that he has poured out his love through the Holy Spirit who is given to you. So if you believe in Jesus, you will have enough love to draw on so that you can walk in love too. Amen.